Well, good morning. Thank you so much for joining me here in my basement. It's good to be with all of you today. And I'm excited that we're going to be in Acts chapter 12 today. I love this story. So if you have your Bible, why don't you head with me to Acts chapter 12, starting in verse 1. This is what we read. It was about this time that King Herod arrested some who belonged to the church, intending to persecute them. He had James, the brother of John, put to death with the sword. When he saw that this met with approval among the Jews, he proceeded to seize Peter also. This happened during the festival of unleavened bread. After arresting him, he put him in prison, handing him over to be guarded by four squads of four soldiers each. Herod intended to bring him out for public trial after the Passover. So Peter was kept in prison, but the church was earnestly praying to God for him. The night before Herod was to bring him to trial, Peter was sleeping between two soldiers bound with two chains, and sentries stood guard at the entrance. Suddenly an angel of the Lord appeared, and a light shone in the cell. He struck Peter on the side and woke him up. Quick, get up, he said, and the chains fell off Peter's wrists. Then the angel said to him, Put on your clothes and sandals, and Peter did so. Wrap your cloak around you and follow me, the angel told him. Peter followed him out of the prison, but he had no idea what, that what the angel was doing was really happening. He thought he was seeing a vision. They passed the first and second guards and came to the iron gate leading to the city. It opened for them by itself, and they went through it. When they had walked the length of one street, suddenly the angel left him. Then Peter came to himself and said, Now I know without a doubt that the Lord has sent his angel and rescued me from Herod's clutches and from everything the Jewish people were hoping would happen. When this had dawned on him, he went to the house of Mary, the mother of John, also called Mark, where many people had gathered and were praying. Peter knocked at the outer entrance, and a servant named Rhoda came to answer the door. When she recognized Peter's voice, she was so overjoyed, she ran back without opening it and exclaimed, Peter is at the door. You're out of your mind, they told her. When she kept insisting that it was so, they said, it must be his angel. But Peter kept on knocking, and when they opened the door and saw him, they were astonished. Peter motioned with his hand for them to be quiet and described how the Lord had brought him out of prison. Tell James and the other brothers and sisters about this, he said, and then he left for another place. Amen. Love, love, love this story. And I, I, I feel like this story has four lessons to teach us about prayer. So here are the four lessons, and, and uh, they all start with the letter F. So here we go. First, this, this passage, this story teaches us to forget about our track record when it comes to prayer. Forget about your track record. That, that is, when you're praying for something, don't worry if you've prayed for, for similar things for yourself or for others and they did not come to pass. Because God is always doing something new and He might, might be very interested in answering the very prayer that you're praying. Because l let's remember what had just happened. James, the brother of John, had just been placed in custody by the religious leaders. And, and of course, the believers would have gathered together. They would have prayed with, with great urgency and passion for the release of James. And yet, he was executed, we're told in this very passage. And then, so what happens? Peter gets placed in custody by the religious authorities. And so you, you might imagine that the church would say, well, here we go again. We've already prayed that James would be saved. He wasn't, so what are our prayers going to do? At this time, yet the church, they got together and they started to pray. They prayed with urgency, with passion. And what happened? Peter was released. So forget about your track record when it comes to prayer. 
Perhaps you've prayed for a friend's salvation for years and, and seen nothing. And then another friend is brought into your life and you would think, well, why would I want to pray for this person as well? Friend, forget about your track record. God is always doing something new. Amen. All right. Secondly, this passage teaches us that faithfulness is even more important than faith when it comes to prayer. Of course, faith is important, but but it's interesting. Did you note that when Peter was released, the brothers and sisters, the believers, they didn't even believe the messenger. They didn't even believe Rhoda. I mean, they're fervently praying that 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 Peter would be released, and yet when they they were told that it was so. They were filled with such disbelief that they said, no, that can't possibly be true. Have you ever ever been there? You prayed for something and it comes to pass and you're the one who's more surprised than anyone? Faith is important, but, but what's even more important is faithfulness. Despite their lack of faith, they were willing to show up and they were willing to pray continually for Pete's release. So let us remember that. Let's keep praying even if our faith is at a low ebb. Thirdly, they... They prayed with fervency. Did you notice it says in verse 5, the church was earnestly praying to God for him. They weren't gathering together, you know, maybe singing a song or two and then saying, well, I guess maybe we should pray for Pete for a few minutes and then proceeding to go about their day. No, they were on their knees. They were fervently praying, crying out to God, asking for intervention. And so, friends... Let us be people who who pray with fervency. I, I understand daydreams come and interruptions come, and sometimes it can be hard to get locked in and praying fervently, but, but that's the goal. That's, that's what we should be shooting for, that we're people who pray with passion, with urgency, with fervency. And then lastly, this passage reminds us that we're called to pray with friends. Called to pray with friends. You know, praying by yourself as an individual is a wonderful gift. But there is power when, when believers get together and pray with friends, with fellow believers, when they pray corporately. And so that's what happened here in Acts chapter 12. And so just as a, a shameless plug, let me remind you that there's a group of us that gather every Tuesday night at 7 p.m. on Zoom to pray for you, to pray for our church and the surrounding churches in our area. And so... What do you have to lose to show up at at 7 o'clock on a Tuesday night and pray for an hour? And so every Tuesday morning, I send out a link to our meeting, and then you can just click on that link at 7 p.m. on a Tuesday night and pray with us. We would love to see more people praying for our church. If you're interested in praying with us, you can just email me, christian at gcvineyard.org, and I'd love to put you on our list. So that... That's it for today. Those are the lessons that we learn from this passage. We need to forget about our track record when it comes to prayer. God's always doing something new. We need to remember that faithfulness is more important than even faith. We need to pray fervently, and we need to pray with friends. So God bless you, church, and hope you have a wonderful day.